Let's turn together in our Bibles to John chapter 8, verse 31. I want you to think with me about the things that matter the most to you. The things that matter the most in life. The things that you value the most. The things that you want and need more than any other things. The things that you would fight for. And even the things that you would die for. Now I'm sure that there are things that immediately come to your mind. Family, right? At least I hope that's one of those things. If not, you might want to keep that to yourself. (laughs) Our wife, a husband, our children, our parents... Our siblings, when we grow up and figure out they're really not as bad as we always thought. Grandchildren, grandparents. Close friends. Have to be a really close friend, wouldn't it? Maybe you're thinking about your country. Some of you aren't just thinking about it. You've been there and done that. Hopefully Jesus is one of those things. Your faith, the faith, the church, even our church. This morning we come to a passage that is about two of those things. Two of those most valuable to be cherished things in all of life, and they're not separate things either. They are connected. One flows from the other. You can't have one without the other. These two things, if you're looking at the screen or have already looked at the back of your bulletin this morning, are truth and freedom. Truth and freedom. Look at verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed Him, If you continue in My Word, you really are My disciples. Last week we learned that continuing in the Word of Jesus means two things. First, it means persevering in belief in the teaching of Jesus. Persevering in faith in the teaching of Jesus about Himself, of who He was, of what He had come to do. Persevering in faith in the teaching of Jesus about salvation, about the gospel. And then second, we learn that continuing in the Word of Jesus means persevering in obedience to the teaching of Jesus. Persevering in obedience to the teaching of Jesus about the way that we are to live, about the Christian life. Now look at verse 32, the first part. He says there, you will know the truth. At this point in the passage from these two verses, 31 and at least the first part of verse 32, we can say that there are two results of persevering in the teaching of Jesus. One is that you prove that you really are a disciple. You prove that you really are a Christian or To borrow from my title, last week you proved that you are a real Christian. Now this doesn't make you a Christian to persevere in the teaching of Jesus. It demonstrates you're a Christian. And this is opposed to those 
who profess their faith, who profess their Christianity, but who don't persevere in faith and obedience, and therefore prove or demonstrate that they are not real Christians. That was our message last week. The second result of persevering in the teaching of Jesus is where we pick up today. It's our subject for today, the message for today, today, if you will. The second result of persevering in the teaching of Jesus is you know the truth. Or you will know the truth. That's what Jesus is getting at in the first part of verse 32. Let's talk about this second result for a while. You will know the truth. You could say that real Christians will know the truth. The word know here refers to knowledge. Not just any knowledge, but an intimate knowledge. A personal knowledge. It implies close knowing. Deep knowing. Like husbands know their wives, like wives know their husbands. You know, in the early chapters of Genesis, the early chapters of the Bible, it communicates this when it says that Adam knew Eve, his wife. Or to bring it closer to home, I'll put it like this. To know the truth like Glenn and Sherry know music. Like some of these ladies who play for us know music. Like several men in our church know timber. Like Gregory knows potato chips. Like Long knows humility. Like Shirley Horton knows shoeboxes. Barbara McMillan knows Compassion International. And Steve Hughes knows the Gideons. And Gene Singleton knows Missions. Like Sid Chapman and Lindy Lee, no prayer, and I could mention others as well. Like George Thomas Jones knows history, especially our history. Like Paula knows English. Like Harvey Gaston knows money, and by the way, if someone knows money, that's the one you want to get to know. Like Mark Jeffcoat knows barbecue. Like Scott Holmes and Dorsey McDonald know how to fix anything. Like Phil Snyder and Ron Evers know motors, machines. Like Mr. Sam Hollingsworth, who's not here this morning, knows jokes. Now that brother knows some jokes. Like KJ and Bo Bishop know football. Like Matt Moore and Amy Taylor know knees and shoulders. Like Carl and B.B. Jackson just know they love each other. Everybody else knows too. Like I know that Cheryl could have done a whole lot better than me. I mean, I'm waking up every day with that knowledge. Going to bed every night with that knowledge. Thanking the Lord. Like uh, Wayne Holly knows everything. Because he is from Linden, Alabama, Marengo County. Isn't that right, Wayne? We we just know. We can't help it. If you persevere in the teaching of Jesus, you will know the truth. This brings us to the first of our subjects for today. Truth. The truth here refers to at least a few connected things. First and foremost, it refers to Jesus Himself. 
It means that those who persevere in the teaching of Christ will know Him. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Knowing Him means that one will know salvation through Him. We'll know what it's like to be forgiven. What it's like to have not just life, but God's life, eternal life in us. Knowing Him means that one will know the Father through Him. We'll know God. Second, the truth here refers to the Word of God. And obviously, I don't mean the living Word of God, that's Jesus, but here I mean the written Word of God. Those who persevere in the teaching of Jesus will know the Word of God. They will know the Word of Christ. They will know the Bible. They will know the teaching of Jesus. They will know the Gospel. In John seventeen seventeen, Jesus prayed, Father, sanctify them by the truth. Your Word is truth. This person will know the truth about Jesus, the truth about God, the truth about the Trinity, the truth about salvation, the truth about us, the truth about people, the truth about the church, the truth about life, and even the truth about life to come. Third, Truth here refers to the truth of God. That standard that determines what is true and what is false. This person will not merely know what is true, but will know the truth from which he or she will be able to evaluate or measure everything else and determine if it is true or not. This person will know what God knows, or at least this person will know what God has revealed to us of what He knows. This person will know what God is, for God is the truth. If you persevere in the teaching of Jesus, you will know one of life's most valuable things. You will know one of those things that's worth searching for and living for and fighting for and even dying for. You will know the truth. That's the second result of persevering in the teaching of Jesus. You will know the truth. Now go back to verse 32. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This has to be one of the most well-known verses in the Bible, right? You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So now we come to the result of knowing the truth. One awesome result of knowing the truth. Freedom. And that's the second subject for today. Another of those most valuable things in life. Jesus said the truth will set you free. We could say that real Christians will know the truth and they will be set free. If you persevere in faith and obedience to the teaching of Jesus, you will know Him. You will know the Word of God. You will know the truth of God. And as a result, you will have freedom. 
The truth produces. The truth provides freedom. Without truth, there is no freedom. And by this point, I hope we all understand that the truth that Jesus speaks of is not academic truth. I find it strange that many institutions of higher learning which completely deny Jesus will have somewhere on their buildings, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So Jesus isn't talking here about mere academic truth. He's not talking about mere worldly truth or the truth according to you or the truth according to Oprah or the truth according to culture. He's not talking about subjective truth. And also hope we realize by this point that He's not talking about political freedom. By knowing the truth, you have freedom. You're set free. The truth sets you free. And it's talking here about a freedom to choose. A freedom to live. A freedom to do. To borrow from our Constitution as as Americans. A freedom to pursue real happiness. When Jesus mentioned truth and freedom, you would think that the people listening to Him would have been overjoyed. I mean overjoyed to the point that they would have been applauding Jesus and they would have been shouting His praise and they would have been thanking Him and jumping up and down with joy. Especially, you'd think that considering the fact that back in verse 30, it said that many of this crowd had just professed their belief in Him. But this wasn't their reaction at all to His message about truth and freedom. Look at verse 33. We are descendants of Abraham. They answered him, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say, how dare you say, you will become free? Well, they were offended that Jesus had spoken to them about knowing the truth and therefore being set free. We're not slaves, they said to Jesus. We've never been slaves. How dare you talk to us about freedom or or truth? You see, they, they thought they already possessed the truth. They were confident that they above anyone else and to the exclusion of everyone else were spiritually free. These Jews thought that they were right with God, that they were in the kingdom, that they were going to heaven, to use language that we hear today. I mean, there was no doubt in their minds that they weren't going to heaven or that they were going to hell. They thought this way because they were Jews. They put it this way, we're descendants of Abraham, we're the children of Abraham, which really was a way of their saying, we're the people of God. And those that are the people of God, they already have the truth, and they don't need freedom. They thought they were born with these things. And there are many people today who think that they're born with these things. So you'll hear someone say, the gospel? I don't need the gospel. I'm already a Christian. When did you become a Christian? I've always been a Christian. I was born in a Christian hospital. 
They might say, why would you talk with me about freedom? I'm not a slave. I'm an American. All Americans are free. Or one might say, I'm going to heaven. Why in the world are you then talking with me about knowing the truth and being set free? People like this believe in salvation by ethnicity, salvation by nationality, salvation by personality, salvation by family connection, salvation by denomination, salvation by birth. And it's all wrong belief. It's why Jesus said in John chapter 3 to one of their very own leaders by the name of Nicodemus, you must be born again. Unless you are born again, you will not enter the kingdom of God. So we are born with truth and freedom. Truth and freedom aren't ours naturally or automatically. You will never know the truth and live in freedom thinking that way. We must come to know the truth. And a part of that truth that we must come to know is that we aren't free. Apart from knowing the truth, who is Christ, we aren't free. When we know this, then we will have freedom. For the rest of the chapter, Jesus shows them, and for that matter, He shows us how we aren't free. Why we need freedom. And when I say we from here on out, I don't mean we that are saved. I'm referring to people that don't know the truth. I'm speaking of people generally. He shows us why we need, why lost, unregenerate people who are apart from Christ need freedom. He gives two reasons. So we're going to read the passage, and as I do, I want you to be looking for the reasons that we need freedom, that people need freedom, and then when we get through reading the rest of the passage, we'll talk about it soon. Verse 34. Now remember, they've just been very offended. Jesus has talked about truth and freedom. They're like, don't you talk to us about truth and freedom. Jesus responded, I assure you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. A slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. Therefore, if the son sets you free, you really will be free. You will be free indeed. I know you are descendants of Abraham. But you are trying to kill me because my word is not welcome among you. I speak what I've seen in the presence of the Father. Therefore, you do what you have heard from your Father. Our Father is Abraham, they replied. Well, if you were Abraham's children, Jesus told them, you would do what Abraham did. But now you are trying to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham didn't do this. You're doing what your father does. We weren't born of sexual immorality. We we aren't illegitimate children, they said. We have one father, God. And and I want to add here, Now top that. What do you have to say about that, Jesus? Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. 
Because I come from the Father. I came from God and I am here. For I didn't come on my own, but He sent me. Why don't you understand what I say? And then he answers his question. Because you cannot listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has not stood in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature. Because he is a liar and the father of liars. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Who among you can convict me of sin? If I tell you the truth, why don't you believe me? The one who is from God listens to God's words. This is why you don't listen. Because you are not from God. The Jews responded to him, Aren't we right in saying that you're a Samaritan and you have a demon? You see what they're accusing Jesus of? You're a mixed-breed devil. I don't have a demon, Jesus answered. On the contrary, I honor my Father and you dishonor me. I do not seek my own glory. The one who seeks it, he's referring here to his father, is also the one that judges. The implication is, we'll judge you. I assure you, if anyone keeps my word, now that goes back to last week's passage, right? Continues in my word, perseveres in the word. If anyone keeps my word, he will never see death ever. It's a great promise, isn't it? It's like the words of Jesus that we'll come to in John 11 when he says to the sisters of Lazarus who has died. Anyone who believes in me will never taste death. And he's obviously not talking about a physical death here. But they won't really die. Then the Jews said, now we know you have a demon. Abraham died. So did the prophets. But you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death ever. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? That reminds me of the question that the Samaritan woman asked to Jesus in John 4 when he talked about giving her living water. She said, are you greater than our father Jacob who dug this well all these years ago? This is... The Jews on this occasion, are you greater than our father Abraham who died? Even the prophets died. By the way, I would add here, uh, most of the prophets died at their ancestors' hands who hated them just like they hated Jesus. Who do you pretend to be? If I glorify myself, Jesus answered, my glory is nothing. My Father, you say about Him, He is our God. He's the one who glorifies me. You've never known Him. They thought they had. But I know Him. If I were to say to you, I don't know Him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know Him. And I keep His Word, which is a proof of knowing Him. Your father Abraham was overjoyed that he would see my day. He saw it and rejoiced. The Jews replied, You aren't 50 years old yet, you whippersnapper. And you've seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, I assure you, verily, verily, truly, truly, before Abraham was, I am. Not before Abraham was, I was. Before Abraham was, I am. And at that, they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus was hidden and went out of the temple complex. And that's a number of verses. But in it, what we basically find Jesus doing is giving two reasons that people need freedom. Remember, he's speaking about truth and freedom. 
to which they have responded negatively, to say the least. So Jesus is making the case that even though they thought they were free, they weren't free, that all people apart from knowing the truth need freedom. Two reasons. First reason people need freedom is because we are slaves of sin. Did you notice that in the passage? Did you hear Jesus make that very point in verse 34? That people need freedom, people like them, people like us, because we are slaves of sin. So what does it mean to be a slave to sin? Well, at this point, I could stop and let volunteers come up here and tell us what it means to be a slave to sin. Because many of us here this morning can testify to what it means to be a slave to sin, can't we? To be a slave to sin means to be in bondage to sin. Chained, imprisoned by sin. It means that sin is our master. That sin owns us. And again, I would reemphasize by us, I'm not talking about us as believers anymore, but it owns people who don't know the truth. People who aren't persevering in faith and obedience to the teaching of Jesus. It owns natural people. Sin tells us what to do. Who's experienced that? Anybody? Who's experienced? Is it just that we sin out of nowhere? No, within every one of us, there's something that urges us to sin. When we hear that something is wrong, we are compelled to do it all the more. And that thing that tells us what to do is our sinful nature. I would compare it to what compels a lion to eat meat. No, no one has to go out into the jungles of Africa and say, Now, lions, you ought not be eating frosted flakes. You're supposed to eat meat. No, they eat meat. They don't have to be taught. It's in their nature to eat meat. We don't have to be taught to sin. It's in our nature to sin. It oozes from us. Everything we do is tainted by sin. Even the good things that we do are marred and most times motivated by sin. And when sin, our sinful nature, tells us what to do, do you know what we do? We do it. We do it. Committing sin, according to Jesus in verse 34, is the proof of our slavery. Real quickly, turn with me to Romans chapter 6, verse 16. And I could read it, I've, I've got it down, but I want you to see it. Romans six sixteen. Come on, gird your loins and let's, let's get there in a hurry, alright? There's your good King James phrase about getting in a hurry. Romans 6.16 says, Don't you know that if you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of that one you obey, either of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. Now go further in the New Testament to 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 19. Second Peter 2.19, now speaking here about false prophets, but I, I want you to hear more than specifically what it says about him, but what it says about all people apart from Christ. Second Peter 2.19, about these false prophets, it says they promise freedom. 
but they themselves are slaves of corruption. And here's the, the part of it I really want us to notice. Since people are enslaved to whatever defeats them. Did you hear that? If something repeatedly defeats you, wins over you, you are a slave to that thing by the very definition of the Word of God. Socrates put it this way, How can you call a man free when his pleasures rule over him? How can you call a man free when his pleasures rule over him? The freedom that Jesus offers through persevering in faith and obedience to His teaching, the freedom that Jesus offers through knowing the truth is a freedom from that slavery to sin. A freedom from the rule of corruption within us. A freedom from the domination of our own pleasures and our own lust. And we've all been there. Some of you still are. The freedom that Jesus offers is a freedom to obey God. Listen to this. It's not just a freedom from something. It's a freedom to something. To obey God. To be righteous. To do righteousness. A freedom that we've never had apart from Christ and knowing the truth. Not a freedom to do whatever we want to do, but a freedom for the first time in our lives to do what God wants us to do. Freedom to choose what He commands. Freedom to live the way He commands. Freedom to do things His way. Freedom to pursue happiness in living God's way. Freedom from that dominant, sinful influence in us. We must escape this slavery. Because slaves aren't a part of the household. They aren't permanent parts of the family. And slaves can't set themselves free with any sort of real freedom. We can't become a part of our, a part of this family of God on our own. But praise God. He's provided a son to set us free. Not just a son, but the son who acts on behalf of the full authority of the Father. And when He says a slave is free and now a part of the household and the family, you better believe they're free. And they're not a slave anymore. They're sons and they're daughters, permanent members of the family, permanent fixtures in the household. He sets us free. Galatians 5.1 says that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And at this point, I, I want to stop and ask, those of you who know the truth, who have been set free, are you living in the freedom that Christ has set you free for? And, and, and you, you, you can't go without saying this because all of us believers have been here too. We've been set free through the work of the Son, but we still have something that draws us towards sin and it'll make us go right back in that prison cell that God set us free from. That's not you anymore, child of God. You don't have to live in there anymore. That's not what Christ has set you free for. The first reason people need freedom is because we're slaves of sin. Second reason, because we're sons of Satan. Did you notice that in the passage? People need freedom because we are sons of Satan. Jesus said as much in verse 44. You're sons of the devil, sons of your father, the devil. And, and you want to talk about being offended. Now, the previous offense was minor compared to this when he told them, you're sons of Satan. 
They protested loudly that they were the sons of Abraham, the children of the promise and the covenant, children of the kingdom. What they really meant is that they were the children of God. And they said as much later on in the passage. But all of the evidence was against their claim that they were the children of Abraham and of God. Now, I I don't watch this show, but I've heard people talk about it, and I have, you know, seen it flipping through. And I remember when he used to have a show that wasn't about this. How many of you have ever seen the Mari Povich show? Obviously, none of you. Well, I wish my Pop Kurt were still alive. He could tell you about Mari Povich. From what I understand, now the show, five days a week, is about paternity testing. You are the father. You are not the father. It it reminded me of that. This passage did. And I know you think your mind must be mixed up, and it is, but that's that's another thing. The people Jesus is talking to here, they don't need any DNA testing doing. Because all the evidence is there that in spite of their claims, they aren't the children of Abraham or God. It's obvious that they weren't the children of Abraham. Now find it significant that Jesus said, you are the seed of Abraham, but you're not the children of Abraham. say, well, how in the world could that be so? Well, just think about the book of Genesis. Ishmael was the seed of Abraham, but he was never considered the child of Abraham. Just Isaac. A generation later, Jacob and Esau were both the children, or excuse me, both the seed of Isaac, but only Jacob was considered the child of Isaac. They weren't the children of Abraham because they didn't do what Abraham did. They didn't listen to the Word of God. They didn't believe it. They didn't love it. They didn't obey it. They hated it. They hated Him, Jesus, the Word of God. They hated Him because of what He preached, and they wanted to kill Him because of it. Something that Abraham never would have wanted. In fact, in the end of the passage, it says, Jesus says that Abraham looked forward to the day of Christ, the day of the Messiah. Look at verse 56. Your father Abraham was overjoyed that he would see my day. He saw it and rejoiced. Now that gives us some real insight into exactly what Abraham believed in Genesis 15, 6. You know what he believed? He believed that God was going to provide a Savior through his descendants. And that he wouldn't just be his great, 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 great grandson, but he would be his very Savior. And he rejoiced over it. There's no evidence whatsoever that they were the children of Abraham. And it's the same with their claim to be the children of God. Real quickly, I would tell you in those verses that we read, you find there are three proofs against their claim that they were the children of God. The first proof against their claim that they were the children of God is that they didn't love the Son. They hated the Son. They wanted to kill Him. And the Father loves the Son. If they were the children of the Father, they would love the Son. They would love the Savior sent by the Father. The children of God will love Jesus. There is no such thing as a child of God who doesn't love and believe in Jesus. No such thing as a child of God who doesn't worship Jesus with the very worship that they would give to the Father or to the Spirit. Second proof against their claim that they were the children of God. They didn't listen to the Son. They didn't love the teaching of Jesus. Verse 37, I know you're descendants of Abraham, but you're trying to kill me because my word is not welcome among you. Well, you see, the words of Jesus were words from the Father. And all of the children of God will love The words of Christ. What I'm about to say, I'm not saying to, uh, I'm not saying to justify preachers or preaching or, or, or to justify me personally. 
And I'm not saying it because I'm angered when people feel this way. I'm, I'm, I'm about to say this because I care about your soul and I want you to be able to recognize symptoms in your life that would prove that you aren't a child of God no matter what you might think or say. If you don't love the Word of God, if you don't love to read the Word of God, if you don't love the preaching of the Word of God, if you come to this time each week or times like it, and you can't wait for this to be over, it is almost a certain sign that you're not a child of God. I'm not mad saying that. I'm your doctor for right now. I'm your soul doctor. Borrowing from the words of Jesus. Those who love the Father love the Son, and they love the words of the Son. Those who don't are not children of God. Verse 43, or I'm sorry, verse 47 The one who is from God listens to God's words. This is why you don't listen, because you're not from God. Third proof against their claim that they were the children of God. They didn't look like the Father. No resemblance. You ever heard? Well, you can't deny Him. Spitting image. It works that way with the children of God. And there are lots of people who profess to be children of God that God would absolutely deny belong to Him. They didn't look like the Father. They didn't act like the Father. They didn't think like the Father. And all children of God will resemble Him. You see, all of the evidence here pointed to who their true Father was. Satan, the devil. What do I mean by that? The evidence pointed to... Satan was their father. Their murder? Well, what was Satan? He was a murderer from the beginning. Their lies. Satan was the father of lies. And they believed the lies instead of the truth. Their sinful desires. Did you notice in verse 44? He said, you're the father of the devil and you want to carry out your father's desires. They were slaves to sin and Satan. But they did exactly what they wanted to. They want to do. What Satan would have them do. What sin would have them to do. They looked like the devil. They thought like the devil. They acted like the devil. I'll tell you, if it walks like a duck, talks like a duck, quacks like a duck, waddles like a duck, it's a duck. If it walks like the devil, talks like the devil, acts like the devil, you can be sure that he belongs to the devil. So what does the evidence say about you? 1 John 3.10 says, This is how God's children and the devil's children are made evident. Whoever does not do what is right as a practice of their life is not of God. It can't get more clear than that. Second reason people need freedom, because we're sons of Satan. Now, once more, look at these last couple of verses. Your father Abraham was overjoyed that he would see my day. He saw it and rejoiced. Abraham was looking to the, to the coming of the promised Messiah, believing on him for salvation even before he came. The Jews replied, you aren't yet 50 years old. You've seen Abraham. They didn't realize who they were talking to. Jesus said back to them, I, I can promise you this. Before Abraham was, I am. Now, what does I am mean? Same words God used to reveal himself to Moses in Exodus 3.14. Jesus is saying, hey, being before Abraham's no problem for one who's eternal. I'm God. And at that, they wanted to kill him. But it wasn't his time. And they couldn't kill him. I end with that, not just because it's the last verses, but for this reason. I want you to hear me. It's possible for people to value truth and freedom and have neither. They valued truth and freedom. They had neither. You might be an example of this. Many are. Not enough to value truth and freedom. You must possess it. And the first step is to realize and acknowledge that you don't. Did you hear me? The first step in having it is realizing and acknowledging that you don't. We must admit our need for freedom. 
So have you? Maybe you're still not convinced. Let me try. Are you a slave to sin? Remember how the Word defines slavery to sin? Are you a slave to sin? Does it defeat you? Do you find your life to be a never-ending pattern of not being able to defeat the desires and lust within you? It is a sure sign of being apart from God, of being lost. Is there evidence in your life that you're a son of Satan? Examine your life. What do you obey? Who do you look like, think like, act like? If the answer to those questions is yes, I'm I'm a slave to sin. I'm a son of Satan. I, I look like him. Repent. Turn from it. Believe on Christ to save you. Believe on Him as Lord and Savior. Persevere in faith. And obedience, because it's through persevering faith that you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Did you did you hear what all of this is getting at this morning? You can possess two things that are as valuable as any other things: truth and freedom. And more than possessing them, you can live in truth and freedom. Would you stand with me and bow your heads and close your eyes? We thank you, Father, for Jesus and for His Word, for Your Word. Thank you that we can know the truth and the truth sets us free. I pray people would come to know the truth today and be set free. I pray that those who know the truth and have been set free would live in that freedom, would persevere in it. I pray now that you'd Teach us all individually how we should respond to your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Without him I could do nothing. Without him I surely fail. Without him I would be drifting. Like a ship without a sail, Jesus, oh Jesus, do you?